Nothing screams summer to me than a chilled glass of beautiful rosé on the patio. And if you love rosé as much as I do, then this week's episode is for you. I've called it Rosé Rendezvous, and we're going to be talking about all things rosé, from its history, how it's made, how can you tell if they're sweet or dry styles, different colors, and I'm sharing five iconic styles of rosé from around the globe that I think should be on your summer must-try checklist. So if you're ready to talk about the art of drinking pink, if you will, let's get started and dive right into today's episode. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Wine Shop Talk. I'm your host, Samalia Aaron-Rosar, and I'm so happy that you're here with me today. If we haven't met before, it's lovely to have you here. And if we have, welcome back. Now, for those of you who are new, you should know that I've been a professional sommelier for over 20 years now, and it's my passion and my privilege to make learning about wine not only fun and easy, but also practical, meaning I wanna make sure that you leave every episode with real life tools and information that you can use to help you pick out wines that you're going to love and enjoy when you're getting together with friends and family and making memories. I want you to think of me as your very own practical Somali. On that note, let me give you an overview of how today's episode is going to go. I'm going to start off by giving an overview about rosé wines how we make them, where they come from, reading the wine label. I'm also gonna talk about serving rosé wines, and then I'm gonna dive into five classic rosé styles from around the world that should definitely be on your summer must-try list if you haven't tried them already. So let's start the story of rosé wines by going back in time and talking a little bit about the history. We have data taking us back to ancient origins, if you will, where we can see that the Romans and Greeks were also making rosé wines. Now, we know at the time that they would make wine and water it down for the masses because water at the time may not have been safe and so people were drinking down watered down wine to as their main source of liquid but we do have evidence of purposeful rosé production during that time so when you're enjoying a beautiful glass of rosé just think that you're connecting through the ages and you're in very good company the next thing i want to talk about is how do we make rosé we can make rosé in two ways one way is to blend red and white wines together. And let me tell you that this is generally frowned upon. This is not considered the way to make rosé. And in many old world countries, it is considered illegal in regards to the winemaking techniques to be able to make a rosé by taking a red and a white wine and mixing them together. However, as a side note, this is allowed in champagne production when we're doing rosé champagne. So just a little sidebar of information there. Now, the main way that we make rosés is referred to as the bleeding off. So literally, we're going to take red grapes and we're going to allow the juice to sit with those skins and we're going to let it sit there for a small amount of time and literally bleed off color. So this is called the Seignier method. So French for bleed. We're bleeding off color. This is where we're getting beautiful different tones from very pale, soft rose petal, if you will, all the way up to almost a garnet light pink. So we're getting the full spectrum of rosés and that will be determined by two main reasons. One, the base grape variety. So a Gamay grape rosé versus a Malbec grape rosé, different skin intensities in regards to color compounds. So more color can obviously come from the rosé wine made from Malbec, for example. 
we can also spend longer time on the skin. So how much time is the juice allowed to sit with those skins to bleed off the color? If the juice is left too long with the skins, we're also going to pull out some of those firm tannins. So the winemaker has some key decisions in regards to how much time those skins are allowed to sit with the juice to pull out beautiful colors and aromatics but they don't want those firm tannins necessarily. So there's going to be a balance of where do we get color, but not those other components that can come from the skin. So remember when we make rosé wines, we have two ways to make them. Most common is going to be bleeding off. This is globally recognized. The other is to actually mix red and white dyes together. This is an illegal method of winemaking in many old world countries except when we're working with Champagne in France. So now you know the two ways that we make rosé wines. Now, one of the most common questions I will get asked is, are all rosé wines sweet? And this question comes from many people's experience with white Zinfandel, for example. They've had a glass, it's a beautiful color, but it is an off-dry wine style. So how can you tell if a rosé wine is sweet or dry? So here's how you're going to be able to know. The first clue that you're going to look for is where does it come from from around the world? Most old world countries, Spain, Italy, France, for example, generally do not make a sweet style of rosé table wine. They may do dessert styles, but the table wine is classically dry. So generally from old world countries, you're going to find a crisp, refreshing style. And from new world countries, you may have both styles. You may have classic dry, crisp rosé being produced, and you may have the off-dry version like white Zinfandel being produced as well. So how are you going to know the difference? And there's a couple of clues on the labels for you. The main one is going to be in the alcohol amount. So you're going to want to pick up the bottle of rosé and if it's 12% alcohol or higher, it's going to be a dry wine. That doesn't mean that it's not going to have some beautiful berry aromatics on the nose and some ripe fresh fruit flavor, but there's not going to be residual sugar in the wine to give it more of a lift in regards to its body and a true berry sweetness on the palate. But when you have a rosé wine that is below 12% alcohol, so you're looking at the 9.5%, 10, 11.5, these are wines that are going to have residual sugar to them and are going to be more on the sweeter side of that wine style. Now, both styles are versatile and delicious, but the sweeter styles especially are wonderful when you're doing sweeter dressings or if you're doing more berry salads, they can really come through. And one of my favorite things to do in the summer as a complete sidebar is to take some of those off-dry rosé wines and add a little bit of a splash of Prosecco or sparkling wine to it and make a bit of a signature rosé cocktail for you. So just a little tip for you there. If you're looking to make a beautiful cocktail with just a hint of sweetness, then adding some off-dry rosé to your favorite sparkling wine is a really fun way to make a fun cocktail. The other tip is to take a read over the label description when you pick up that wine at the store. If you're seeing notes of ripe, fresh berry, sweet fruits, if they're using words that give you a clue that the fruits are really ripe and plush in their flavors and aromatics, and you see that alcohol is lower than 12%, then you're really on the right track if you're looking for an off-dry wine style. And on the other side of the coin, if you're looking for a crisp, refreshing style of rosé that is dry, then you're looking for words such as crisp and refreshing on the label. Those are going to give you some clues in regards to that it is 
more of a classic style dry rosé. Now let's talk a little bit about the color of rosé and is color a clue in regards to something being sweet or dry? And the answer is no, the color is not going to give you a clue. The color, as we talked about in winemaking, the color is going to come from how much time are the skins of the grapes allowed to sit with the juice in, during the winemaking process. The more time with the juice, the more color it's going to be pulled out. It is also determined by the base grape variety used to make rosé. So if it's a grape variety made from Melbeck, like I used an example before, very dark, deep, intense grape variety. If you're making rosé from Gamay, for example, here you have a lighter skin grape or Pinot Noir rosé, very soft, thinner skin, lighter color. The color isn't a clue to sweetness or dry, but it will also give you a clue of how much time the juice has been in contact with the skins. Generally, the darker the color of a rosé, it may have a bit more tannin or a bit more backbone. This also goes with sparkling styles of rosé. You get soft textures of the tannin because the tannins comes from the grape skins and stalks. That's that mouth ring sensation. So those darker colored rosés are generally wines that we will use for more of a grilled steak, let's say, or grilled steak fajitas, something that's got a bit more oomph to it in regards to the meal or more of a dense protein, then those darker colored rosés can make some beautiful pairings and are great choices. Now, before I get to the five styles of rosé that definitely should be on your summer's checklist, let's talk about the best practice of serving rosés. Generally, we serve rosés between 7 and 13 degrees Celsius or 44 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit. This allows it to be chilled and refreshing without being so cold. So if we take a wine below four degrees Celsius, it loses its ability to release all of its amazing aromas to us. And rosés will have beautiful aromatics that we'd like to experience. So by keeping it chilled, but not so cold, we're going to allow those aromatics to be experienced. So just keep in mind, when you're serving rosé, obviously if you're out in the sun, you can definitely chill it and then you're going to want to let it warm up a bit. And when you do let a rosé warm up a little bit in your glass, you are going to get more of those aromatics and flavors out of. So I always recommend enjoy the glass crisp and refreshing to start, but allow it to open up to you by warming up a little bit too, and you'll have an even greater experience with that beautiful glass of rosé. Now in regards to what kind of glass do we serve rosé in, many people will suggest a tulip style glass. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to have a picture of what that looks like, but it basically has a larger bowl, comes in, and then floats open again. The reason being is because to capture those aromatics and really lift them out, this style of glass with the larger bowl gives more area for those aromatics to come up. Some delicate rosés can be very soft in aromatics and the more surface we have in the glass, the more of an opportunity those aromatics have to be able to be shared with us. So a larger bold glass works and then to tighten up a little bit just near the neck allows those aromatics to be compressed so you can experience them on the nose. But, but any glass will do, whether it's stemmed or stemless, rosé is very approachable. But if you are thinking about does the glass matter? There is a recommendation to use a tulip shaped glass for most rosé styles. Now for pairings, what do we pair with rosé wines? Let me just say, just like sparkling wines, I'm going to stand on a soapbox here and say that rosé wines are so versatile that I believe that everybody should have a few bottles in the house at all times and a few different styles. But rosés can go with the lightest of salads, 
right up to your fullest main courses. They are so versatile and there is a rosé wine style to fit into any dinner menu. You can also do an rosé wine ice, if you will. And here you can chill it. One of my favorites to do is to, if you enjoy oysters, you're going to take the rosé, you're going to turn it into a rosé ice, you'll freeze it, and then you'll serve it just on top of the oysters with a bit of pink rock salt, and it is divine. It is one of my favorite pairings. If you enjoy raw oysters, they are delicious this way, but to make the rosé just as an ice and serve on top. So there's so many things you can do but I love it for picnics for dinners for lunches rosé there's a rosé for every meal so to me rosé has no limits it's all about your imagination now we will do the rule of if it grows there it goes there so if you are making a dish that is of Spanish origin or Italian origin then potentially you want to look for a rosé wine style from the area so that you can really bring that synergy in together but that is not a hard fast rule it is just something that wines that grow up around certain food styles and cheeses definitely have a harmony between them so something to keep in mind now let me share with you my five rosé styles from around the world that i believe should be on everybody's summer must enjoy checklist now these are in no order as i break them down and i'm not going to be naming brands i'm going to be naming styles depending on where you are in the world you'll be able to find a producer that's available in your market in your favorite store and be able to enjoy this style. So the first style I want to share is a beautiful rosé from Provence. So here, the south of France, it is an epitome of beautiful rosé. You can find very pale, soft, refreshing, crisp rosés coming from this area. This is home base, if you will, in regards to French rosés, and they are going to come in a spectrum of different colors from very light to deeper in color. They're going to go with everything from light appetizers to beautiful barbecue to grilled seafood salads. They're going to fit with all of it. Even if you just put out a simple plate of olives and some meat and some cheese, it is, they're going to be divine. Provence rosés are known for their soft berry flavors, hints of citrus, and subtle herbaceous notes as well. So these are stunning. Now the second rosé I have for you is a beautiful Rioja Rosado from Spain. This is made from the Grenache grape variety. It has a beautiful color, some brighter aromatics than the French beautiful rosé we just spoke about. A bit more zest, if you will, in the glass. And these rosés can vary in color depending on the amount of skin contact. Some may have some older oak intact as well, so you may get soft vanilla notes on these as well. But delicious wine styles and classic Rioja Rosado wines are known for their fruit-forward flavors, lovely berry notes and aromas, a nice crisp acidity so get a beautiful balance of delicious aromatics from the berry notes that come through and a mouth-watering acidity on the back so delicious definitely you must try with barbecue if you're having tapas or grilled vegetables grilled vegetable pizzas grilled seafood maybe some paella on the deck the rioja rosado is definitely the wine to try 
Now let's head over to the beautiful rosados of Italy. We make rosé from top to bottom of Italy. I'm going to be talking specifically about the rosés from Tuscany, made from the Sangiovese grape, but know that you'll be able to find rosés all through Italy in different areas made from the grapes of the region. So should you be in Sicily, for example, you can find a beautiful rosé made from Nerodabla, for example. Now when you are now when we are talking about the beautiful rosados from Tuscany, made from the Sangiovese grape, some may be a little bit more of a warm sort of burnt strawberry if you will to a bright strawberry so the colors are going to vary here and classic rosato rosé from Tuscany in the glass you're going to be looking forward to some nice red cherry notes mouth-watering acidity and notes of strawberry on the finish as well so you're getting the best of both worlds and you can have some cherries and some strawberries and a nice mouth-watering flavor and they are delicious obviously here you have beautiful seafood pastas flatbreads Italian cheeses, salads, pasta dishes, rosé is an option. Anywhere you're thinking you may have served a white wine or a lighter red, rosé can make a wonderful choice in your pairings. Now we're going to go back to France and the next rosé classic style I want to share with you is called Bandol. Now Bandol is a beautiful rosé wine. As much as I'm not supposed to have favorites, I'm telling you this is definitely one of mine. This is made in the south of France from the Mouvet grape. It is darker in color, more intense. I love this with grilled fajitas or a grilled steak with a beautiful salad. It's got a bit more oomph in regards to a rosé because the Mouvet grape has darker skins. And so from that, we're going to have a bit of a more intense rosé wine. So think of Bandol as a more full-bodied rosé style. And here the Bandol, you're going to get some beautiful red fruit flavors, the berries coming through, some dark fruits, potentially some blueberries, blackberries coming in. You're going to get some earthy notes. It's a bit more masculine, you might hear people say, though again, it's just a beautiful rosé wine style, some mouth-watering acidity, but it is more of a full-bodied, firmer rosé style. It's going to be a beautiful color in the glass, and this is a definite wine that you should be trying this summer. I love it. And if you try it, I would love to hear what you think about when you get a chance to try it. So be sure to tag me on Instagram at Wine Girl Academy, or feel free to send me a note at hello at winegirlacademy.com. And the last classic rosé style that I want to share with you is controversial in that I'm going to share white Zinfandel. And I know there are people who are going to be hearing me and be like, Erin, really? White Zinfandel? I drank it in school. I'm a grown up now. I'm not drinking it now but I'm telling you, give it a chance. It's like any wine. This wine makes people around the globe happy and it was made completely by accident. This didn't come about as someone woke up in the morning and thought, hey, I'm gonna make an off dry rosé. It happened because the fermentation stopped. Sutter Home Wines was making red Zinfandel, just still red table wine, and the yeast in that fermentation stopped. They stopped working, which meant that there was residual sugar left in the wine and they needed to get the wine out of the tank. They realized they weren't gonna be able to restart the fermentation, so they took it off and they kind of called their friends and said, hey, we got all this kind of lighter pink sweet wine. Does anybody want it? People came to pick it up and they actually liked it. And now it is one of the world's best-selling wine styles. And it's been served at every shower for weddings and babies that I have ever attended. So just know that as much as this wine is somewhat frowned down on, it is a wine that makes people happy. It's it's a good wine. And again, when you look at the label, you're going to see the alcohol level is lower 
And it's one of my favorite pairings to pair with a strawberry spinach poppy seed salad. This beautiful wine. Also put a little bit in Prosecco and make a beautiful cocktail. It's wonderful with strawberry shortcake, some desserts. If you're doing anything like that, a little bit of chocolate and berry and a little bit of cake. You don't want a full on sweet wine. This wine is a very versatile, I think unfortunately it just gets looked down on or people remember drinking it and think, no, it still seems a bit too economical or I'm drinking serious wines now. But if you haven't had it for a while, I challenge you to try it again. Maybe make a beautiful spritzer. Put a little bit in a glass with some ice and some soda and some berries and lemon on top. You don't have to be serious with it for it to be enjoyed. Play with this a little bit, but White Zinfandel, I know it's controversial, but I'm putting it on your list because I think it gets passed over and it does have some fabulous uses when you pair it. It can really be a fun, light summer wine style. So definitely challenge you to add that in the summer onto your wine must try rosé checklist. So there you have my five rosé wine styles from around the world to put on your summer must try checklist. So you have the white Zinfandel that we just spoke about, you have the Bandol, you have the Spanish Rosato, you have the Italian Rosato, and you have the beautiful Provencal French Rosé as well. So you have two from France, one from Italy, one from Spain, and one from a new world country, I'll say, most likely United States. But there are lots of rosés around the world, so do not be limited to these. These are just five classics, but there are rosés made from all around the world, and definitely they should be part, in my opinion, of your summer backyard and indoor celebrations. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode today all about rosé wines, and I hope that I've inspired you to pick up a couple of new ones through your next shopping experience at your favorite store. Now, the official start of summer is coming up very quickly when this episode will go live. And to help you celebrate, I've created a barbecue sauce pairing guide. So we know that rosés can go with all kinds of barbecue dishes, but one of the questions I get asked a lot is about how do I pair with different barbecue sauces? In the guide, you're gonna find Memphis, Texas, Carolina, and Kansas City barbecue sauce, a breakdown of what the base and flavors of each one is, and some wine pairings specific to them. I've also taken all the wines from the guide, made it into a fun checklist for you, and included a how much wine do I need cheat sheet in the back of the guide as well. So that's free for you this summer. You're going to find the link below in the show notes, whether you're listening into the podcast or on YouTube and download the free guide and you'll be ready to make your backyard barbecue the hottest ticket in town. I want to thank you for hanging out with me today and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes come out every Tuesday. And if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, feel free to leave them in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube, or if you're listening into the podcast form, just feel free to reach out to hello at winegirlacademy.com. And I would be happy to answer your questions. And of course, if you find a favorite pairing that you learned about in this episode, I would love to hear about it. So be sure to tag me on Instagram or TikTok at winegirlacademy. And I'm sure you're gonna make my mouth water with some of the pairings that you're coming up with. I wanna wish you a wonderful week. Cheers to you. Bye now.